Happy Monday, my Liberty love bugs. And before we get into today's episode, I want you to stop what you're doing. I want you to pause this week. Well, okay, don't pause this because then, then you won't hear what I'm going to say. But I want you to go and subscribe to the X. Pat Money Show. You can find this wherever you find podcasts. You guys know how this stuff works. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, everywhere podcasts are found. You know the drill. You got to find the Expat Money Show hosted by my friend Mikkel Thorup. And if you're a libertarian, if you're someone who values the ideas of liberty, if you agree with statements such as taxation is theft or war is murder, well, then the next question is what now? What next? And Mikkel Thorup answers that question each and every week on the Expat Money Show. He helps listeners find ways to legally reduce your tax bill, to protect your assets overseas, and to come up with your escape plan for when the shit hits the fan. And uh, I don't know about you guys, it seems like the shit's been hitting the fan quite a bit here in the U.S. lately, so you cannot find a better resource than the Expat Money Show to figure out your potential escape plan, figure out how to stop fueling the warfare state. So head over to expatmoneyshow.com, and we also want to invite you to join the conversation over on Facebook in a special Facebook forum, the Expat Money Forum. You can find that at expatmoneyshow.com slash forum. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here's your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. All right, Katie, guys, my guest today is formerly a Libertarian Party presidential candidate, but she is continuing her campaign as an independent candidate. She will not be stopped by inter-party elections. She is running not just to be president, but to be healer-in-chief. I'm very pleased to welcome Serene Ardelianu. Serene, are you ready to roar? Yes, I am. Indeed you are. You've got a little, I think it's a magnetic uh, stuffed lion there. Yes. He says hello. <laughs> oh, no, that his arm just came off. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's flexible. He's malleable. Uh, yes. But Serena, we actually first met uh, back in, I think it was February, back at the, um, the California State Party Libertarian Convention. Uh, I gave a talk there, and uh, I actually produced the, you know, released that as an episode of the podcast. But uh, as part of that, you uh, came up, we had a question and answer session afterwards, and you came up and sort of uh, gave uh, your, what I thought was a pretty unique story and a, a really unique take on how you came into the ideas of liberty overall and how you started looking at things from a libertarian perspective. So why don't we just start right there? Would you care to get Get into just how you started getting into political ideas overall and what led you to the concepts of uh, libertarianism and the ideas of liberty. Sure. And actually, um, I don't know if you know this, but that was the first time in my life that I stood in front of an audience of people I didn't know and gave a speech. <laughs> uh, but I knew that there was another speech to follow. And so I figured this is good practice. So I'm, I'm really grateful that I had that opportunity. Well, and, I have a secret. That was actually only the, <laughs> it was only the second time for me. So uh, you, you know, your, your experience wasn't that much more. Most of my experience speaking has been in front of this microphone uh, alone in a room. So it is a different thing when you're actually physically in front of people. Yes, and it's very uh, affirming when people resonate with what you have to say. Um, I forget exactly what you asked, but I started talking about natural laws. And that's something that I've been studying for a past decade now exclusively. And natural laws is really understanding how the universe works, understanding how we work, and um, like cause and effect, for example. You know, that's a natural law. Like we reap what we sow, and we can always trace back every effect to a cause outside of the first cause. And um, basically, energy is another way to um, understand what I've been studying, right? Because everything is energy. And if you understand the laws, the immutable laws that govern energy, you understand humanity and you understand life. Um, 
what led me down this path was um, being severely um, disabled. I had, um, I guess it's called CPTSD, where I had back spasms and ulcers and I lost my voice. And on paper, I looked like I had it all. I was selling Bentleys and Lamborghinis and Teslas and Spikers. I was managing dealerships. I co-owned a nightclub, co-owned an art gallery in San Francisco of all places. And, you know, I grew up very uh, challenged. I was abused and I ran away from home when I was 14. I graduated high school in two and a half years. So I had kind of a very interesting life of overcoming a lot of adversity. But like I said, I hit bottom because um, I had a maladaptive program that I learned as a child, which was abuse and love go together. And that was really, you know, what led me into onto this path of inquiry of wanting to understand like why are things the way they are um but even before that so let's talk about politics because i didn't really realize that i was a libertarian pretty much my whole life until this year when i sat down and decided i was going to run as a libertarian initially um and the reason i say that is really has a lot to do with my father who defected from communist romania in 1970s with just the clothes on his back and a briefcase of essential documents and he told me that he ran across the border and he risked getting shot by a a guard and that's how much freedom mattered to him Um, he's a musician a composer and he wanted to compose music for god and that wasn't allowed and so he was willing to risk everything for that to come to America. And so um, I lived with him for a few years. And one of the things that he taught me, actually two of the things is, one is that, you know, nobody can ever take away your knowledge from you. You know, you can go anywhere in the world. And as long as you, you know, you, you educate yourself, you can start over and you can do well. And the other thing he taught me that's very libertarian is that, you know, it's nobody's business what I do in my square foot of space, as long as I'm not bothering anybody else. And I see that as an extension of of the non-aggression principle, you know, essentially mind your own business, don't harm others, you know, back to natural laws, let me reap what I sow, don't interfere with the natural consequences of my choice my choice is good or bad because I'm never going to learn right from wrong. If the government interferes in, you know, me reaping good from making good decisions or reaping, you know, bad from, you know, um, making poor decisions, but you know, we need to learn. And so that's really a big part of why I resonate with the party and I am still um, making monthly contributions to the party. I'm still a state delegate, but I'm running as an independent because I had a vision that I was going to run for president this year about a decade ago. And I realized I have to, you know, finish what I started. I have to see where this goes and that this is so much greater than the election. This is really about waking people up. Um, I'll pause there. There's a lot more I want to share, but I think yeah, that's there, a good place to start. A, there's, a ton to, there's a ton to unpack here. Uh, but you know, <laughs> one theme that I find interviewing people that uh, spending seven years interviewing people that have come into the ideas of liberty in one way or the other, one very common theme is that you'll often find that many people are libertarians or are acting as libertarians or are living their lives as libertarians, but have just never seen, you know, until a certain point, seen someone spell it out for them and seen it put in that way where they say, oh, this is actually what I am. They're just simply living their life or learning lessons like from their parents, like for you. And uh, it's only later when they actually maybe dig into actual political views, like I presume you started doing when you decide to run for president that they say, oh, wait, this is this is already what I do. This is already what I believe. This is already how I'm acting. 
Yeah, indeed. And um, it's kind of funny because a few years ago, I created an online educational program to teach people how to reprogram their bodies and minds to go from surviving to thriving. And I interviewed 33 experts from around the world, some really famous people like Bob Proctor, Dr. Bruce Lipton, Dr. Bernie Siegel, and so forth. And I'm listening to some of their interviews now, and I'm sharing them again because they're very empowering. But I'm listening to them. I'm like, these people are all libertarian, and they probably have no idea either because Mm -hmm. they're all about personal responsibility and they're all about being creators and not victims of their circumstances right and so it's it's really um maybe i don't know if unfortunate is the right word but i feel that it is unfortunate that many people have a misunderstanding of what it means to be a libertarian and i feel that more people are waking up and realizing that you know if, if you look at the philosophy and you put all the pieces together it makes sense and it really complements the way that we are designed to survive and thrive I want to go back to something you kind of touched on uh, in the beginning there when you're talking about energy and sort of how how what we put out there is what comes back to us. And I know that we have listeners out there listening right now that are saying, all right, what is this hippie stuff? But, uh, <laughs> but can you dig into a little bit of what you actually mean by that and sure. kind of some of the actual science that there is behind that concept? Sure. So I have a very heavy background in neuroscience and epigenetics, as well as quantum mechanics, which are great fields to get into if you want to understand the science behind how energy works. And so, because I know for some people, this might be far out there, but there is science that backs up what I'm saying. Um, even the CIA has known this for decades and they use this, use this to you know, manipulate us. Um, but essentially, like every thought is like an energy packet. So when you have a thought like MIT, they can measure your thoughts, they can predict your thoughts now, right? They have they can I think like a, if they ask you a question like 10 seconds before they ask you that question, they can measure like your thought and predict it within like a 90% accuracy. I mean they can like right? kind of measure what's happening in your brain and then kind of translate that into what you're going to Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the choices are kind of limited, but they can still, you know, they're getting there. The technology is catching up to show us like, Hey, you know, like every thought radiates at a certain frequency and every, because everything is energy, we affect the collective with our thoughts, with our words, with our actions. And this is something that took me a really long time to understand because this requires a lot of self-control. It's like, Oh, when I have a positive thought, positive things happen. When I have a negative thought, negative things happen. And like many people don't want to take that kind of responsibility. They think that, oh, your thoughts and words don't mean anything, but they do. You can heal people with your words. Um, so I actually have a very heavy background in healthcare as well, I, especially because I had PTSD. I really wanted to understand like how to get better because I was seeing all these Western doctors. I was in a lot of pain and I wasn't getting better. And I really, I started to understand there's just three causes of disease. It's either organic, structural, or functional. And functional disease is what the majority of people have. And essentially, that means it's self-created. Like, we worry ourselves sick, or we're so angry, we make ourselves sick because, like, these negative emotions, they slow down and, or they speed up certain pro- body processes so that they're, they're not natural. Like, I'm sure you've heard of fight or flight mode, right? Yeah, of course. So, you know, it, you're not able to reason when you are in fight or flight mode or when you're emotional in any sense. And so like a big part of my platform is about being logical because we make really poor decisions when we're being emotional and not logical because our physiology literally changes. Um, 
on a bigger scale, because some people say, oh, you know, I don't believe that we reap what we sow because I do all these good things and, or I don't do anything, right? It's also collectively, you know, um, science tells us there's only one thing in the entire universe. It's energy. Theology calls it God. It's the same thing. We're all connected. We're all pieces of the same thing. So we are also sowing, you know, what those before us, or sorry, reaping what those before us sowed, right? Like, you know, our forefathers and so forth. And so that's why like personal responsibility is really an important thing for me and to try to help others understand the value of it. It's like pointing figures at others doesn't make things better. It's actually leading by example, holding yourself to higher standards and helping others understand this as well. You know, that's the only way that we can collectively um, improve the state of being of, of not just our country, but our entire world. Yeah, and just, uh, you know, regardless of what one might think about the science or what have you, I think we can kind of see this concept in our daily lives. I mean, how often have we started our day? Maybe we got a bad night's sleep. Uh, we just start our day in a kind of grumpy, cranky mood, and that just leads to a bad day. It can lead to, you know, you cut someone off or, you know, on the road and you get even more angry and now you drop something, you bump into something, and you can almost feel like the spiral of negative energy when you get started in, in sort of a bad way. And uh, I think we've all seen how people act out there. I mean, people that are generally positive, generally happy people, generous people, regardless of their financial status, those are people you always see having good things happen to them if you're actually just watching and observing what's happening around you whereas miserable people people that are always angry uh that have this sort of negative energy bad things tend to happen to them and i you know i'm for science or not i think we've all seen this in our own lives yeah and just i am going to get a little more scientific on it like what you're talking about is resonance and dissonance you know like attracts like and electrons which is what we're composed of that's what they do is they attract and repel and you know so of course it's natural that we attract and repel because we're made of electrons you know that yeah i like to bring that in for skeptics because for me like some you know some people call me new age no i'm a skeptic i don't trust things just because somebody tells me to or just because somebody's an authority figure or an expert like i want to understand why and how something works and i want to be able to apply it in my own life to really believe it you know even if you told me these things that you know you've had whatever experiences i might not believe you i might consider it a theory but unless I've personally experienced it, I'm not going to consider it a fact. And so I think it's really important for people to, you know, challenge what I'm offering them, you know, this, these, these ideas today, if, if they're not familiar with them, really investigate how does this work and, and apply it in their own lives. And, and like you said, like, you know, you can start out into, you can intentionally actually, you know, start out your day in a good mood. You can give thanks for all the things in your life that you have that others don't have, or you know, even just being alive and see how that affects how you feel and how it affects the rest of your day. Hey there, kitty cats. I need to take a quick time out here to tell you about another amazing libertarian podcast. This one is hosted by our good friends, Nate and Charlie, patrons of this program. Of course, you can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. Always be plugging. Uh, but these guys are plugging Liberty five days a week. That's right, five days a week. I don't know how they do it over at Good Morning Liberty. Of course, you find these guys wherever you find podcasts. But one thing I like about these guys is their ability to market. And these guys are great marketers because they got an amazing donut 
domain name for their podcast, BernieLies.com. If you go to BernieLies.com, you will find uh, Good Morning Liberty. And these guys are talking about current events every day. They are both uh, involved in the healthcare industry, so they have seen firsthand how government intervention can really shape, craft, and damage an industry when uh, politicians get their grimy hands in there with regulations and all sorts of awful, awful things. So please do check out the good friends of ours, Nate and Charlie, over at Good Morning Liberty. I want to talk a little bit about, you know, you mentioned like a number of ailments that you had, um, you know, earlier in your life. And obviously it seems you've overcome, you know, I don't know your entire medical history right now, but it seems you've obviously overcome a lot of these things. I mean, you've got your voice back, at least we can tell that Uh, you seem to be walking around really fine. So can you detail how you were able to sort of overcome that stuff? And was it really through just changing more of your attitude and your energy and that sort of thing? Yeah. I mean, studying because I'm a skeptic, like one of the things I did is I I went to a metaphysics book club every week for seven years, (laughs) where we sat around and read books together and discussed them so that different people could offer different perspectives. And just, you know, it really helped me to consider different possibilities, like understanding how fear affects me and understanding how anger affects me, understanding how patience affects me, understanding that, you know, that these emotions are in polarities, right? Love and hate are on the same spectrum. Where does love become hate and where does hate become love, right? It's a gray area. And so if I feel like hate, I can always turn to love as essentially the remedy, or if I feel fear, I can turn to faith, right? It's changing my own frequency, but it was through lots of study. And um, I actually, I take classes regularly. I'm about to take 60 hours of classes in the next couple of weeks to keep investing in myself, to keep developing myself. And the reason I say that is because we live in a world that's full of a lot of contrast. (laughs) And there are people that are going to tell you that everything I say isn't true. And that's what you're up against. And if you really want to succeed at knowing yourself and having control over yourself in your life, you need to keep investing in yourself and essentially controlling your environment, which is what are you putting into your mind? You know, what are you watching? What what are you reading? Who are you engaging with? Right? Because these things do affect us. Um, our subconscious mind, it opens up through repetition. That's, you know, that's one of the ways like, you know, through exposure, right? If you're always ex- expose the same things over and over, those ideas go into your subconscious mind and you start to operate from them. And so like, I'm aware of that. And so I intentionally put things in my mind that are true, that are positive, you know, so that I can operate from that place. That ties into something you mentioned a little bit earlier that I thought was uh, really fascinating that I just want to pick out a little bit. Um, You said that abuse and love go together. (laughs) And I guess that that kind of ties into maybe the love and hate spectrum there. But can you kind of dig into that into that a little bit? Sure. Well, you know, the first seven years of life, starting from actually the third trimester, is when we start to inherit all the beliefs that we operate from. And so those are really important years for children to raise them right. And so for me, I was born into a household where I was hit every time that I made a mistake or or even if I didn't, if something wasn't right, I was called all kinds of names. And so, and this happened from, you know, my mother who I love and I've forgiven and I understand why she did that. But 
Um, that was what I learned, you know, every single day of my life until I was 14 when I ran away from home. So that was the program I was operating from. So I started to attract other people that took advantage of me in different ways because that was, even though I wanted better, right, that was what I learned. And so I accepted that behavior. And many people do this, you know, in different ways throughout their lives. Like for me, it was showing up professionally, romantically, personally, everywhere in my life. I had unhealthy, abusive relationships where I was a, essentially a means to other people's ends. Now, um, I will say that there were genuinely loving, caring people that showed up in my life, but I pushed them away because it didn't feel familiar, right? And many of us do this, right? Because we go to what's familiar, even though we want better. And so it really takes a conscious effort to rewrite the program, to change the way that you allow others to treat you. But it starts with, you know, self-love is what I've realized. You know, that's my journey is mastering that because if I can't truly love myself, I can't love anybody else. And I don't teach others how to love me or what it looks like. And, you know, I feel like that's our biggest challenge in the world today is a lack of uh, role models who have mastered being loving in all ways. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of like if someone is perhaps used to poor relationships, whether it started in their childhood or what have you, if they're used to, you know, abusive relationships of some kind, when they find one that is a loving relationship, they might actually push that away, not because there was anything bad happening to them, but because they're so used to not feeling that, that they think it, it feels wrong. It feels like something strange is happening. And that I'm sure that leads to a lot of people, you know, pushing themselves away. Uh, not that this is a relationship show, but <laughs> we get into all sorts of things here. No, but it's important to understand because like right now, like there are people who believe the lies of politicians. Why is that? Right. Because they have certain patterns that they've accepted. And also, you know, hypnosis is a big aspect of it. A lot of us, I mean, we're all hypnotized in some shape or form. And, you know, leaders, whether it's intentionally or not, say and do things that do hypnotize people. And so, you know, it's really important to reason upon everything and, and question everything and, and come to our own conclusions, not just inherit them from others. And, and, you know, back to love. Like, if we love ourselves, this just becomes automatic because we want what's best for us. And we won't just believe somebody because we idolize them. We won't even idolize people anymore. We'll, re we'll realize no one's perfect. You know, everyone has some imperfection. All we can do is like take what works and leave what doesn't. Serena, I want to dig into uh, a little bit your actual presidential campaign. And you mentioned earlier <laughs> that you uh, you had you first had a vision that you were you should run for president. So can you just tell us a little bit about what that vision was specifically and how that led you to just decide to actually I'm gonna screw it here I go I'm gonna run for president. This year. <laughs> sure, I'll go just a little bit further. So about 20 years ago, um, I that's, that's I, a I, lot I, further. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, about 20 years ago during like my undergraduate studies, I was at San Francisco. State studying psychology. Um, maybe it was even a little bit before then, but somewhere around that time, I didn't write it down. I just had this realization um, that if I wanted to make a positive impact in the world, that I would have to be in a position where I could influence values. And I saw the president of the United States as the perfect position to be in to influence values because I realized that our values come from the media, they come from our education system, they come from our health experts, you know, whoever we consider our authority figures. I'm like, this is perfect. This president, I can influence all of that. Um, and, but again, this was about 20 years ago and I was, you know, barely 20 years old back then. So I didn't really think much of it and I kind of just let it go and I went on with my life and then I had severe PTSD and then I had this vision of people chanting Serene 2020. 
And it freaked me out. I wasn't really into politics. I didn't even know 2020 was going to be like a presidential election year. I, I only told one person at the time. And because I just thought like, this is crazy. I can't tell anybody this, but it was it was a, my mentor at the time and we were really close. And, and I just had to tell somebody. Um, and I was resisting this because like I have, I've done a lot of things in my life. I'm not perfect. Just like everybody else. I've done things that I wouldn't do again. And, you know, I was afraid of being judged. Um, but as this year got closer and as I, like, I was resisting people who knew me, people who didn't know me also saw me in this position and started telling me that, even though I never told anybody that I had any interest in getting into politics. And then, um, I tried to fight it and I started to get sick. Like my body started to break down and I realized like I had to surrender that it wasn't about my fears. It wasn't about my desires. It wasn't about my conditioning that I had to overcome all that. And that regardless of what happened, that I would inspire others and I would also free myself. And so, um, about a year and a half ago, somebody that I've, uh, an acquaintance of mine, he decided he was going to run for president. And I hadn't told him that I had any of this happening. And he asked me if I'd be his vice president, you know, if I'd run with him on a ticket. And I said, okay, sure. You know, cause I felt like, oh, it's another door opening. And about a week after that, cause it was just tearing me apart. I said, I have to be honest with you. Like I've had this vision of me running by myself and I love you and I care about you, but this is like something I have to do for myself. Cause my whole life, I've always been a means to everybody else's ends. And I know that life is a do it yourself proposition that I have to break through my own shell and I just have to put myself out there and see what happens. And so that's, kind of the short version there's more pieces but i'm just kind of you know for trying to help you understand <laughs> kind of how i got here right, right. is this person that asked you someone we might know about or or do you want to keep that uh yeah but i don't I, it's fine i'd rather not for now okay, but yes okay. he, he also ran in the libertarian party <laughs> gotcha gotcha okay so I'm, yeah. I'm curious how you found uh because obviously you hadn't been involved in the libertarian party prior to this how did you find and you can be honest here it's okay how did you find the sort of inner party politics of the libertarian party how did you find dealing with people i'm sure there's positive and negative experiences both ways yeah. So when I first came out as a libertarian candidate, I, I connected with a lot of the other candidates and it was really nice. Like the ones that I connected with were very supportive and helpful. So when I showed up at the California state convention, I felt like I already had friends and family there, even though I showed up by myself. Um, and when I was at the convention overall, I had an amazing time. And that's where I came up with my party platform of love, logic and liberty for all, because I felt like the people that I had connected with were the most loving and logical liberty minded people I'd ever met. And um, also like I was basically doing some energy work there because certain people were gravitating to me and I was helping them figure out like how to overcome certain challenges in their life. And you know, somebody said, oh, you're the healer in chief. You should be the healer in chief. We need one. So, you know, I came up with this. So, I, you know, I had a really wonderful time in person connecting with the party. Um, but then I became a state delegate. And then I started connecting with more people online and I got to see a lot more things that were going on that I really felt were out of integrity. And so, you know, it just, it, I, I real, it made me realize like, Hey, just like any other philosophy of life, people are going to vary on the spectrum, but you know, like look at Christians, there are Christians who really try their best to live, you know, the golden rule. And then there are the ones that think as long as they go to confession every Sunday, they can keep doing the same things over and over again. Well, it's the same thing in the libertarian party. There are people who say they're libertarian, but actually try their best to live the philosophy. And there are people who say they're a libertarian that don't really care what the philosophy 
says and think that they can just do whatever they want, including violating the non-aggression principle. And so, um, you know, and I don't say that to put the party down. And, that, you know, that's why I give the example of, you know, Christianity and other philosophies. People are people, you know, but there's work to do everywhere. And so it's nice to be running as an independent now because I'm not here to play politics. I'm here to bring integrity into politics. I'm not here to be a politician. You know, I'm going to only run for president and that's the only job I will accept. And after that, I'm willing to consider other possibilities, but I really prefer to be on the outside, lifting people up, inspiring people, and just, you know, I, I enjoy the freedom of that as well. You know, I, I don't, like I said, I don't want to play politics. It's not my place. What do you hope to get out of running for president right now? Obviously, we're, I know, just about a month out from the election. I'm sure you have a lot of people that are skeptical of you at all that are saying, look, you're not, you're not going to be on the ballot all over the place. Uh, you know, Trump and Biden are getting all, all the coverage. So what really is the goal here behind your campaign? The goal is to wake people up because, look, the only way that I could possibly win is as a write-in. People have to spell my name correctly. It's an effort. It is the conscious vote. And I don't want to force my way. Like I've, I've envisioned this happening organically. I don't want to rush the process. If it's this election that I win, great. If it's the next one, great. Because I realize that for the majority of the people to choose me as president means that people are actually ready for love and logic and liberty for all. You know, it is a, an evolution of consciousness. And I know like with my own journey, if you try to force somebody to evolve faster than they're ready to, it can be very destructive to them. And so I have a lot of work to do, but I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, like I said, a big part of it is inspiring and empowering other people as well, because it's not about me. You know, one person cannot make the whole world a better place. It's about working together. It's about being aligned on a similar vision, you know, and supporting one another and really unifying people like, you know, I'm a connector. I've always had friends on all sides and it's helping people see that we're all on the same team in this country and in this world because you know we need to really focus on peace <laughs> so that we can enjoy our planet our and our country more. Yeah, it's it's a good point and one of the something that I always think about when especially during presidential election years when focusing on politics, uh, especially, you know, many libertarians in the Libertarian Party who I love and I'm involved in the party as well. But I just think about all the effort that goes into pushing like a libertarian candidate. And I, I think to myself, I mean, are, are we looking at this the wrong way? Because you're not going to be able to just vote for a libertarian candidate and then just have everybody act in the libertarian way. It's almost going to have to ha happen the other way. We're going to have to see people that actually begin to think differently uh, and, and look at the world differently and look at their interactions with people differently, look at government differently, look at all these concepts differently, at which point then you'll get a libertarian type president, or then maybe that won't even matter. Maybe might be the more important point because then we're just going to have a more libertarian society. So uh, who is president may not really matter as much because at the end of the day, politics does respond to the people, uh, if not directly, then just by overall consent. I mean, we have the system we have now because at the end of the day, most people sit back and either support it or at, at worst or at best, depending on how you look at it, just tolerate it. Hmm. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And, and that's, that's what many people need to understand. It's about coming together and really recognizing that the system that we have now doesn't work. And that, you know, that we're just going to keep getting the same things over and over and over again until we change the way that we vote, we change the way that, and we change the way that we behave in general. All right. So what are your plans uh, 
as far as the rest of the campaign? You got you know a few weeks left here until the actual election. What are you going to do to ramp things up and to really get as much attention as you can? Because regardless of what happens to your campaign itself, the, the few weeks before the election are when most people are paying attention to politics. Uh, we see that even in podcast downloads. You just see a lot more interest in these issues uh, for bad or for good. So how do you plan to cap- capitalize on the attention surrounding the election, uh, surrounding the, all the political hype, and try to get your message out there to as many people as possible? Sure. So um, I'm working on more articles to publish, more videos. I've got a lot of interviews coming up. Um, But like I mentioned in the beginning of this, one of the things I'm doing is I'm actually going to be taking a couple of classes that are 60 hours long. And part of the reason I'm doing that is because I know that the only way that I could possibly win is if I truly master love. And that as counterintuitive as this can sound to many people, like I need to keep working on myself because I am my greatest enemy as well as my greatest ally in this. And so for me to truly be more connected to all life is the best way that I can influence people energetically, you know, because again, back to, you know, everything vibrates at a certain frequency. the higher my frequency is, the more people I pull into my sphere. And this is the way to do it with the most integrity, especially because I believe we all need to focus on mastering love, you know, no matter how cliche that sounds or how new age that is. Like, I truly believe that love is the answer, starting with self-love. And so if I can be a a role model for this, people are going to naturally be drawn into that and understand the value of it as well. You know, it's like if we approached everything we did in life with love from like, you know, somebody that irritates us to the way we do business, you know, everything would change. If we started looking at people around us as a part of ourselves, as a part of our family, we would treat them better, right? We don't need legislation to, you know, or we shouldn't even try to use legislation to enforce morality. We just need to show people the value of why doing the right thing benefits everyone. Um, I actually watched a movie this weekend, which I wish I would have watched sooner, called Hidden Figures. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's about um, three um, African-American women in in the 60s that worked for NASA. Yeah, Yeah. and it is such an inspiring movie because these women made themselves valuable. They invested in themselves. So people at NASA had to change their rules from them. You know, they took down the colored, you know, bathroom sign. They they let women in where men weren't allowed because they realized, like, these are valuable people. And that's the thing is, like, when you make yourself valuable, when you show that what you have is that value, none of those limitations that we had before matter. And you don't need legislation to force people to do the right thing, right? They wanted to have somebody go outer space and survive. And so they they put the best people there. They didn't care about their gender or their race or any of that stuff. It was their, it was their uh, skills, their contributions. Yeah, it's that sort of message that is is why I wanted to bring you on, because one thing I've been doing with this show a little bit is, I mean, for years and years and years, this has been primarily focusing on the philosophy of liberty, uh, discussions of the politics of the day. Uh, But, you know, the longer I've gone on, the more I see that maybe that's looking at things in the wrong way. Because in many ways, I mean, of course, the philosophy is extremely important. It's extremely important to have a philosophy behind everything we do. But if we're not actually utilizing and living that philosophy, if we're not actually improving our lives and how we look at, uh, you know, our value to the world, then we're going to get lost in the whole thing. We're just going to be there sort of just arguing and arguing and arguing, trying to convince people and convince people. But a lot better way to convince people is to actually change 
who you are, change how you act, change sort of your own environment. Uh, and if you love yourself more, if you improve yourself more, you're naturally going to influence people more by your own actions. You're naturally, without having to shoehorn it in, without having to yell at people on Facebook and Twitter all day, you're going to naturally influence people as people around you see, oh, look what Mark's doing. Uh, I don't know. No, it doesn't have to be me in this example, but yeah. but uh, you know, look what this person's doing. Look what you're doing. Look what Serena's doing. Wow, what is she doing right? Why is she, you know, why, why is she having success in this area? And and I think by your actions, you can actually lead people in a lot better way than simply shouting from a microphone. And maybe that is very <laughs> hypocritical for someone that shouts from a microphone all day long. <laughs> yeah, no. And that's been a big part of my journey too. Like for the most part, I've never applied for a job. I've always been handpicked because people saw my natural gifts, like especially in sales. It's like, oh, come work for me. Come work for me. You know, and that's why I realized like I was a means to everybody else's ends. I'm great at making dreams come true, but it was like, because I have value and we all do. And that's why I believe it's possible for anybody, but it, it's work, right? Like we, I think because I'm first in my family to be born in this country, like work has been really ingrained in me, um, <laughs> the value of it. But I feel like a lot of people in this country that have been here for a while um, don't understand how good they have it, right? There's kind of, we have a system of kind of entitlements and it's like, you no, know, everything in life has to work to survive and thrive from a little acorn seed, you know, to, to me starting as a little seed as well and becoming a human, right? To self-actualize, self-realize, it is a lot of work and nobody is exempt from that. Like, you know, even people with money a lot of times um, have other issues like with their health because they think they can buy health, right? Take a pill or have surgery. It's like, no, you have to work to be healthy, you know? Like, and so it's really important for, rec for people to recognize that because there's some people that get upset like oh that person has too much money it's like well you know if they're if they're treating people with disrespect they're probably suffering in other ways in their life especially with their health Serena, I want to take a minute. Uh, you mentioned before having a vision, so I want to dive in to the vision a little bit more of what a Serena Ardilianu presidency could look like, whether that's in 2020, 2024, 2048, who knows? Uh, but if this ever does take shape, well, how would you actually approach being in this office? Because as you mentioned, you can't really force your views on other people. You can't really force people to be libertarians. You have to influence people. You have to kind of show them and lead by example. So how would you take that philosophy um, that you actually you know, use in your own life and apply that to actually being in the office of president. Sure. So one of the things I've talked about a lot is, you know, my first hundred days in office are going to be focused on connecting with leaders around the world, leaders in our country, to get aligned with them, to understand what the challenges are, to offer them different approaches that um, create win-win situations with everybody. Because like I said, peace is a really huge thing for me. If we can all live in a world where people are not afraid of you know, conflict all the time. Um, you know, like I remember when Trump won and North Korea was threatening us, like my heart sank You know, nobody should have to go through that. Cause I live in San Francisco. I'm like, great, you know, easily to point something at us, <laughs> you know? Right. And I realized that's when I had to stop listening to the news because I realized that's very disempowering. And so I really want to connect with leaders and to get everybody on the same team to help them understand why it matters that we do the right thing, why it matters that, 
you know, we take the steeper path that we build a solid foundation that we don't take shortcuts and, you know, in anything that we do really, you know, because we're paying the price of shortcuts, you know, why this country is the way it is, is because unfortunately there are people who have lacked integrity that were in leadership roles, you know, making important decisions and, um, and, and being led by their emotions instead of logic. So it's really, um, you know, some people call them soft skills, but they're really the most important skills, being able to connect with people one-on-one to create a space where people feel safe to share with me and so that I can give them a different perspective, especially like Russia and China are two countries that I want to, you know, meet with their presidents as soon as possible to really work on a way to treat humans more humanely there and also to get along better. That You know, we, we shouldn't be fighting over the same resources we should be sharing. We should be truly creating win-win situations. And in our own country, we shouldn't have elected officials tearing each other down. You know, we should all be on the same team. That was one of the things I, I liked for the most part within the Libertarian Party. There, I think there were one or two candidates that didn't play nice. But for the most part, they didn't attack each other. But when I was watching the Democratic conventions, they were attacking each other while they're, with their words while they're talking about peace. I'm like, how can I trust this person when he's tearing down somebody that is supposedly on the same team, that is supposedly here for the same reason, right? And so for me, it's like, it's really about alignment, if that makes sense. And, you know, again, it's an evolution of consciousness, and it is something that is going to take time, but I enjoy doing it, and I got a lot of time to do it. I mean, it's a good point. If, if candidates like that are going to go to uh, such a strong war with words with each other uh, within their own team, within the people they're supposed to be really on the same side of things, imagine how they're going to approach their, not just their political enemies, but enemies overseas or people they view as enemies overseas. Uh, and maybe that is why we are always at war because we, uh, our culture accepts this. It accepts the, you know, the style of politics where people are always attacking each other. And if we have that attacking style, of course, it's going to go up to the actual office itself. And of course, it's going to trickle down to the rest of our society. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, back to thoughts, if we have self-control over our thoughts, then we will speak differently and we will behave differently. And so it really starts with thought control. Well, Serene, uh, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, Before I let you go, I want to make sure that people can uh, find all the ways possible to uh, connect with you, to learn more about your campaign uh, in these last few weeks here before the election. And perhaps, perhaps, if they can spell your name right, they will go to that uh, booth and write in Serene Ardeliano for president. So uh, feel free to plug away. Sure. Yeah. So my website is at serene2020.com. That's two N's, one R, everybody. Yes. Yes. And um, I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, everywhere, Serene2020. I'm also the only Serene Ardellianu in the world. So I'm very easy to find and connect with. Um, You know, I'm, I'm just looking for people to spread the word and to have the courage to write my name in, you know, to vote their conscious, you know, I believe we're ready. You know, I believe we definitely deserve better and um, hopefully, you know, it'll show up in the polls. <laughs> well, Serene, I wish you the best of luck in this and all your endeavors. And uh, it's been a blast having you on. And uh, no matter what happens this election, future elections, I think it's always important to have more people out there that are being active in uh, sharing their voice and trying to help other people. And that's clearly what you are trying to do out here. So I definitely appreciate that. I wish you all the best of luck. Keep up the great work. Keep on roaring. Thank you for having me on today. 
All right, my Liberty Kitty Cats, it was wonderful speaking with Serene Ardiliano. We, of course, had her on our debate shows uh, back this summer when we were hosting the Libertarian Party presidential debates. But it was great to sit down with her one-on-one and get her perspective. She certainly has a different and uh, very fresh perspective on the ideas of liberty and her approach to speaking about them. So it was a pleasure talking to Serene. Please do check out her campaign as well as our campaigns for liberty, our amazing campaigns that we are putting out through our new t-shirts. We have some brand new t-shirts we have put out in the Lions of Liberty store. You can find that over at lionsofliberty.store. You can also just link to that right on the homepage there at our brand new website at lionsofliberty.com. That website, of course, was paid for by our wonderful patrons, our patrons over at patreon.com slash lions of liberty the lions of liberty pride uh, but these new t-shirts are amazing we have the taxation is death t-shirt showing some bombs raining death upon upon the world to show exactly what our tax dollars really do out there we also have the brand new wax on tax off t-shirt which i gotta say you gotta check this thing out this thing is amazing and hilarious you can find all of our t-shirts all of our merchandise we even have baby clothes now because Brian had a little baby, so now suddenly there's baby clothes up there. What a coincidence. Uh, but yeah, check all of that stuff out at lionsofliberty.store. And the amazing thing is, if you join our Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you get access to all sorts of exclusive bonus audio content, uh, Conspiracy Corner, bonus live streams, Degenerate Gamblers, all sorts of bonus segments with guests. You can find all of that at patreon.com slash lionsofliberty. But if that's not enough, patrons at $5 or higher get a 20% discount on all of our merchandise over at lionsofliberty.store. So it's a win-win. Uh, if you even get one t-shirt, you're probably going to make that five bucks back right away. Of course, we have all sorts of other uh, levels of giveaways and merchandise and all sorts of perks over at our Patreon, including once a month, which is going to happen again in a couple of weeks, one of our patrons at the Nittany level, that's $50 a month, gets to take over this show and produce an episode. So we'll be looking forward to one of those again later in the month. But forget later in the month, because later in the week, we've got my compatriots in liberty my fellow lions of liberty because it's not just me here every single monday we've got the venerable the ranting and raving foul-mouthed lunatic of liberty brian mcwilliams coming at you hard every single wednesday with his unique take on comedy culture and liberty over on electric liberty land while john Odie odermatt wraps things up every single week with his hard-hitting and very inspiring look at the broken criminal justice system on felony friday guys john just spoke to someone last week who is on death row. This is a really unique interview, not the kind of interview you hear anywhere out there, and a great interview to share with your friends and family uh, if they aren't really into politics, aren't really into libertarian ideas, so to speak, uh, but if they just can be captured by a good story like this, an amazing story, an inspiring interview, this is the kind of thing that can often bring people over to not necessarily our side, but to at least see things from the point of view and then start to really see how people are really screwed over by our criminal justice system. So I can't recommend highly enough checking out last Friday. Friday's Felony Friday. Share that thing with your friends and family. Uh, Of course, you hit that subscribe button, you get access to all three shows for the price of one each and every week. And that price, my friends, is free. Unless, of course, you want to toss us money on Patreon. Again, patreon.com slash lionsliberty for that. But until next time, my friends, live long and live free.